Well, thank you, Brother Corey, for that uh, wonderful and timely communion thought, centering our minds on Jesus Christ and Brother Ed for always leading us in worship. We really, really appreciate you. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I got thrown on. Chris Ann, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and that you're always, always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And uh, I don't know the reason for your visit this morning. Maybe you're just passing through, visiting relatives. Maybe you're on vacation. Whatever the case, we're so thrilled and excited that you're here with us this morning. And I say this every single Sunday. We believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of the universe. Amen. Uh, so I want to say... Real quick, a very, very special thank you to, uh, to Ed for filling in for me last week and for Brother Skeeter coming off the bench and leading singing for us. We really, really appreciate you. I was uh, serving in the military last week. As many of you know, I've been a Army reservist for 18 years. Can you believe it? I know, 18 years. Uh, so I actually, when I took the position here, I took a, a leave of absence for the Army and the Army called and said, hey, uh, you either need to get back in or get out, so make a decision. So I'm back on active drilling status, which means one weekend out of the month, I'll be down in San Diego conducting uh, military training. So our, our brother Ed will be filling in uh, for me and preaching on those Sundays. And I want to say a special thank you to our shepherds, our leaders, for allowing me to serve our great country in this capacity, because this is a challenging thing to do. Uh, and I, I just want to say a special thank you to all the shepherds that support me in my efforts to minister uh, to soldiers. I really, really appreciate you guys. The story goes that there was a very religious lady who would go outside every day and stand on her front porch and say, praise the Lord, just like Billy does during our service. Amen. So, Every morning, she would go outside and look in the sky and say, praise the Lord. She had a next-door neighbor that happened to be an atheist. And every day that she came out, that atheist would hear her say that, and he would say, there is no Lord. Now shut up, right? One day, this lady found herself into, in some trouble, and she needed assistance, and she, she needed some groceries. So she went outside, and she said a prayer, Lord, I need some groceries. Please help me. Praise the Lord. The atheist neighbor was hiding and heard her say that, so he said, I'm going to prove a point that God's not real. So he went over to the grocery store and bought up a whole bunch of groceries, right? And then he went and put it on this lady's doorstep. So the next day she woke up and went outside and she said, there's groceries. This is amazing. Praise the Lord. And the atheist neighbor jumped from behind the bushes and he said, aha. I got you. I told you there is no God because I'm the one that came and brought you the, the groceries. She said, praise the Lord. Not only did God provide the groceries, he sent the devil to come and bring them to me. <laughs> this morning, I want to, I want to piggy, thanks for the laughs. I appreciate it. This morning, I want to I want to piggyback off of uh, the sermon I preached two weeks ago uh, and stick with the theme of, of summer outreach. If you didn't notice, our shepherds, our ministry leaders, your preacher have been talking about outreach and evangelism for the entire month. Some of you have picked up on that and you're like, okay, we've heard it, we've heard it. We're sticking with this theme on purpose because that's what we're called to do 
be evangelists for the Lord. So day, today I want to I want to present you with a few just a few simple tools so that you can use them to reach others for Jesus. Now, I know many of you and I, I you know, I know many of you did not grow up in the Church of Christ context. And sometimes as Church of Christ folk, we use language that really doesn't marinate and, and, and stick with you because you kind of just don't get it. We speak Christianese from time to time. I get it. So I spent some time with some dear friends and, and, and they got me thinking that sometimes we have to break down certain languages and words that we use so that they can become clearer. So, so what I want to do real quick before we even begin, which I did a, a poor job of last time, is really define what we mean by outreach or evangelism, okay? Evangelism, by definition, is the act of introducing the story of Jesus to non-Christians or non-believers. I want to say that one more time. Evangelism or outreach is the act of introducing the story of Jesus to the lives of non-Christians. You know, once we become disciples ourselves, once we become Christians, the deed is not done, right? We haven't reached the finish line. Once we become Christians, the Lord says, now you have an obligation, a duty, and responsibility to share the story of Jesus with someone else. And that's what we're called to do as disciples, and that's what we're working really hard to do at this church. And if you think about evangelism, it can be a very scary task from time to time. Because many of us, when we think about evangelism, we think about th three groups, don't we? Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, and salespeople. They come and knock at your door, right? So when we think about evangelism, we're like, man, do, do we have to do that? Do we really have to do that? Well, this morning, I want to present you with some simple tools to really help you think through this process of evangelism and how uh, to do it. In your bulletins this morning, you have a sermon outline. I would encourage you to take that sermon outline out and follow along with us. And on the screen, you'll see some principles that are highlighted in red that you can fill in. First passage of scripture that I want to look at this morning is found in Proverbs chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. And the scripture says here, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm trouble pursues the sinner but the righteous are rewarded with good things walk with the wise and become wise the book of proverbs was a book or is a book that is great for learning practical knowledge on how to navigate difficult situations that we find ourselves in in this life. So if you haven't spent time in the book of Proverbs, I would really, really encourage you to do so. But Proverbs is this wonderful, wonderful book. It was written predominantly by uh, this guy by the name of Solomon, who was the son of King David. And God approached Solomon and said, Solomon, now that you're in this position, I'm going to grant you whatever you want. Kind of like the genie in the bottle scenario, right? If God came to you and said, hey, I'm going to give you whatever you want, what would you say? What would you say? Well, Solomon said something very profound. He said, Lord, what I want from you is I want wisdom. I want wisdom. And the scripture kind of communicates to us that Solomon was the wisest person that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ, of course. 
And the principle is, is if you want to become wise, you've got to surround yourself with people who are wise. Wisdom, by definition, is experience. And if we want to gain experience on how to become more evangelistic, we've got to surround ourselves with people who are experienced in the task of evangelism. Now, uh, my grandfather, I talk about him almost every Sunday. You guys are probably sick of it, but guess what? I don't care. <laughs> okay. My grandpa uh, was a missionary to Ethiopia back in the 60s, right? So he boarded his family on this plane and flew out there and served on the mission field for a number of years, adopted a daughter from Ethiopia, came back my auntie Amsali, right? My grandfather is an amazing evangelist. He was able to baptize many people while he was in Ethiopia, and I always loved his example and how his experience shaped who he was. And even to this day, my grandfather is 84 years old. He hasn't met a stranger. He can go to the dry cleaners and start a conversation with someone and just start talking, and we'll be there waiting for hours until Grandpa is done talking, right? He has an evangelistic spirit about him, and he is a great, great example to me. And what my grandpa always tells me is, look, Jason, remember this. Your example is everything. Your example is everything. So if we want to learn how to be more evangelistic and be in tune with outreach, we've got to surround ourselves with people that really, really model this principle and this idea. Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 says this. Titus was a Gentile, first of all, let me in everything, set them example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. If you hadn't highlighted this verse in your Bible, do so. It's a really, really powerful verse. Titus, the uh, recipient of this letter, if you will, was a Gentile convert to Christianity uh, through Paul's teaching. And according to tradition, he was consecrated as the leader of the church on the island of Crete. So many of you, that's your historical background, something for you to chew on. Titus was a Greek, and he studied Greek philosophy and poetry in his early years. He was super, super intelligent, but he received some really powerful and neat evangelistic training under the teachings of Paul. And what he was saying here uh, to Titus was, your example is extremely important. And if you want to be more evangelistic, if you want to be more evangelistic, realize that people are taking note of your example all the time. Our example is all that we have, and when it is tarnished, it becomes really difficult for us to complete our task, okay? Really, really hard. So in thinking about our example, I want to transition now into providing you with some simple tools that we can use to help us in this process of evangelism, okay? So all of these, these principles are in alignment with this idea of watching our example and watching uh, what we're doing. So I've got four points for our learning that will hopefully bless your life and encourage you. The four points are these. Use kind and encouraging language, right? If you want to be evangelistic, the thing that you must realize is you have to watch what comes out of your mouth. And like my mama said, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. Amen. 
We have to watch what we say. And there's something about kind and encouraging words that can change a person's life without you even realizing it. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 24 says this, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Don't you love when you're having a bad day and a friend comes up to you and just says the the right word? You're special. You're important. You're a good person. I love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. There's something about it that reaches into the innermost parts of your soul and your being and makes you feel blessed and encouraged. And if we're trying to introduce people to the story of Jesus, it starts with kind words in our conversation. And the best way to start a kind conversation is through just using kind and encouraging words. Many of you, uh, if you've been around on Wednesday nights, I have a pair of shoes, right? If you haven't seen me wear the shoes, maybe you heard it. I have a pair of shoes that are bright orange. I mean, they're like highlighter color. And I wear them on purpose, and I call them my evangelistic shoes, right? Because every time I wear those shoes, somebody comes up to me and goes, wow, those sure are bright shoes, right? Do they make you jump higher? I say, yeah, they do. Higher to the Lord, right? And then they kind of laugh. And then we begin a conversation, and I say, how's your day going? How's your day? Well, I appreciate your compliment about my shoes. Those are wonderful, right? And then they ask me, what do I do? I say, I'm a preacher. You should come to church, right? Kind and encouraging words is what people want to hear. But sometimes we can be so sour and so bitter and so angry and so upset that we forget that kind and encouraging words are what touches people's hearts. And I know for a fact that as I look at our congregation this morning, We have very kind and encouraging people here. That is a simple tool of evangelism. Keep that with you when you encounter people. Use kind and encouraging words. Number two, become a worker of good deeds if you want to be evangelistic. Become a worker of good deeds. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16. You guys know the text. You know that. You, You heard it in Bible class. If you didn't, it goes like this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good what? Deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In order to introduce others to the story of Jesus, we've got to be a doer of the word. And what I do know from preaching over the past kind of 10 to 12 years, people would rather see a sermon any day than to hear one. Right? How do I know? Because people fall asleep. Some of y'all fall asleep now. Um, But people would rather see a sermon any day than to hear a sermon. But you know what I know about good deeds? Our society has become so cynical that people are skeptical when it comes to good deeds. You notice that? Our society is so cynical. The other day, I was at Walmart, and there was this senior lady who had her shopping cart, and she was loading stuff in. She went to the checkout line, bought all her stuff, and she was leaving the store but left a bag. You know, y'all do that from time to time, too. Left a bag. Um, so, So I saw the clerk take the bag and sprint out after that lady. I said, man, that is really nice for him to do that. He didn't wait for her to come back. He went outside. And I was being nosy, so I kind of went out there and watched the interaction, right, the exchange. And he said, ma'am, ma'am. And the lady was walking with her. He said, ma'am, ma'am. And she turned around and said, what do you want, right? And he said, you forgot your bag. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. And then took the bag and got in the car, right? We're so cynical now that when it comes to people trying to do good for us, we wonder what they want. Why are you bothering me, right? What do you want? 
But I would encourage you to always keep that with you. Do a good deed. And it changes people's hearts. It changes people's attitude. And we've got to be good deed workers. So you've got to do a good deed a day if you haven't been doing it already. That's your prescription. One good deed a day will keep the devil away. Amen. Remember that. <laughs> a good deed a day keeps the devil away. So if you, if you find yourself in opportunities and situations to do a good deed, do it. Open that door, right, for that, that person that walks in and doesn't say anything, right? Don't roll your eyes. Just open it up and let them let in, right? Let that person cut you in line. You've been watching them trying to get ahead. Just go ahead and let them go, right? Do a good deed. Cut your neighbor's grass because all of us only have grass yards this big. It doesn't take too long, right? Do a good deed a day and it'll keep the devil away. Write that down if you haven't already, right? Good deed a day will keep the devil away. <laughs> there you go. That's right. We've got to be mindful of that. Live a life of purity. Now, this is a, a really, really important one. Live a life of purity. And we all know this. As Christians, we're called to uh, live lives of purity, live in holiness, right, in righteousness. James chapter 1 and verse number 27 says this, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. There is a deep-rooted connection between purity and evangelism. You know, if we strive to live pure lives, we keep ourselves from a lifestyle of iniquity. We don't waste our time on that stuff and with evil deeds, but instead we have time then to focus on good deeds that lead to evangelism. So we've got to make sure that our lives match our message. And this world is really hard because Satan is so active. He throws stuff at us all the time that wants to, that he, wants to he wants to destroy our faith. But I love what Corey said this morning, didn't you? Looking at that scripture. The spirit of God is living in you. He can help you through any and every situation and circumstance. So we live lives of purity. And that frees us up to do good deeds and good works and to bless and encourage others, which really leads to evangelism. And here's one that I really, really want you to focus on and pay attention to. If we want to be evangelistic and be people of outreach, we have to show hospitality to strangers. Ugh. Right? Strangers? People that I don't know? Well, yeah, to strangers. People that you don't know, right? What does the scripture say in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 2? Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Why? For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. That's, that's a really neat passage. Don't neglect or forget to entertain strangers because you may be entertaining an angel without realizing it. Now, this is a hermeneutical and exegetical problem, right? What do we do with angels? How many times have you had a, heard a sermon on angels? Not, not, not often, right? And there's different theologies and philosophies on this text and how you interpret it and what you look at. Now, an angel could be a heavenly being, right, if you look at it in this way. Or we can say that an angel, by definition, is just a messenger of God. I, however you choose to interpret this text, but I think it's powerful nonetheless. I believe 
we receive messages from God all the time, right? Now, sometimes we limit ourselves to saying that God only speaks through the Scripture. I think, I think that falls a little short, right? I think God does speak through the Scripture all the time, and that's why it's so important to open up your Bible and to read and to hear what God is saying. But I believe God uses other people sometimes, right, to speak truth into your life, right? Sometimes he puts other people in your lane to help you to understand his message, and sometimes it's complete strangers. So we've got to be very careful about how we treat people that we don't know very well. Because, you know, we all like to reside in our circles of trust, right? I have my group of friends, my group of people, and when it comes to strangers and outsiders, we don't know. You know, my daughter's starting middle school now. Pray for me. I already lost my hair, so it's, <laughs> it's not too bad, but pray for me, right? So the other day we went to uh, La Paz orientation, right? So I took her in there, and it was amazing to me that these middle school girls already had their circles of friends. I mean, there was like 10 or 20 of them in one place over here, another three or four over here. And what we tend to do is we tend to live in our circles of trust, right? And when it comes to somebody that is on the outside, we look at them and we go, huh, we've got to make sure you pass the test first before we allow you into our circle of trust. But what scripture says is, no, you welcome everybody and you treat strangers really, really well because that's what Jesus did. And what I love about our church so much is that when we have guests here and people that aren't a part of our church, we bring them in. We invite them out to lunch. We sit next to them. And I would encourage you, church, to keep up the good work because that's what God wants. Maybe an angel, right? Maybe an angel. John chapter 14 says this, and I'm actually going to start. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can open up. I'm going to read a little earlier in this passage because it, I think this is such a strong and prof- profound section of Scripture, uh, and I want to give it a little time this morning as we exegete it together. John chapter 15, I want to start in verse number 1. It says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Just pause and think about that for a moment. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. You know, as a Christian, we're called to bear fruit. And what does it mean to bear fruit? It means to produce good works and good deeds for the Lord. It means to be evangelistic. It means to be outreach focused. It means to love others more than you love yourself. It means growth in various capacities, right? And the scripture says if we're not in that place and we're not doing that, the Lord will cut us off. And I've seen a lot of people in the church who are fired up when they first come into the church. And then over the course of time, Satan begins to discourage them and mess them up, right? And then they start attending church less and less. And before you know it, you don't see him anymore. He prunes or he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it become even more fruitful. You know what it means to prune? I'm not a gardener. I really don't know that well. Right? But what, what the gardener does is he has to cut back. Right. In order for it to grow more. So what I want you to realize is that if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, 
the Lord is going to prune you. And sometimes what pruning looks like is difficulties and trials and hardships in your life. Because what I do know about faith, there's two ways, in my opinion, to gain more faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. So you can gain faith through studying the word. But you also gain stronger faith through trials and hardships, right? And that's why the scripture says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. So realize that when you become a child of God, you're going to have hardships that you encounter in life. But the scripture says God won't give you anything that you can't handle. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever difficulties you have, you're going through them because you can handle them. Because God is pruning you and wants to make you make you stronger. And then we get to verses three and four and five. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And here's here's what's really powerful. And I want you to keep with you. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. God says, if you stick with me, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You see, spiritual fruit is different than worldly fruit. Spiritual fruit is love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, goodness. Fruit, spiritual fruit, is making disciples of other people. Spiritual fruit is loving others before yourself. Spiritual fruit is being able, when this life is over, to be able to go to heaven. It's, it's amazing, right? Spiritual fruit is what the Lord wants in our lives. It's different than worldly fruit. Worldly fruit tells us we've got to get ahead and we've got to make money. We've got to buy the bigger house, the nicer car. We've got we've to make sure we continue to feed our nest egg. God says, I'm not concerned about all that. And if you remain in Jesus, he says he'll produce in you spiritual fruit. And you'll have a joy and a peace about you that passes all understanding. Right? It's a powerful, powerful thing. We've got to stay connected to the vine. And if we do that, that helps us in the process of sharing the message of Jesus with other people. Right. So it doesn't take a huge door knocking campaign or cold calling. Or Live in this way. And you will produce fruit for the Lord. So practically, I want to leave you with a couple of practical examples, as I always do as we close. Uh, the, the, the closing verse that I want to use this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. It says this. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So really the thought is, church, we have to remain diligent and hardworking when it comes to this idea of outreach, summer outreach and evangelism. We have to stay on it. We have to stay with our workout regimen. Amen. Because as soon as you take that one day off, that one day turns to two days, three days, and four days, and then you look in the mirror and you gain 15 pounds, right? And you go, what's going on? We have to stay diligent and consistent when it comes to outreach and evangelism. So how do we do that this morning? Well, I want to leave you with a couple of practical things that I think that you can do to make sure that you're remaining diligent and you're not becoming lazy in this. The first thing is this. If you haven't already, 
listen to this, if you haven't already, I want you to adopt a neighbor. Adopt your neighbor. Now, that doesn't mean go over to the door, knock on the door, and say, hey, I'm adopting you today. That's not what I mean, right? But look around your neighborhood. Look down your street. Chances are there is a neighbor that could use a little assistance from time to time, right? I have a neighbor directly across the street from me. I don't know why he does this, but he cuts his grass with scissors. I don't know, right? I, I don't know. I'll see him out there. He'll bend down and have scissors cutting his grass. And this guy is in his late 80s, right? I'm officially adopting him, right? And I'm going to take a weed whacker over <laughs> there or a lawnmower, right? And I think that will start some conversation. Adopt a neighbor in your community. You don't have to tell him anything, but just keep it in your mind. Hey, I'm going to do my part to go reach out and check up on this person, see how they're doing. I'm going to go out of my way, right? If you haven't already, adopt a neighbor and see what that does. And then you can invite them to church, right? You've been hearing a lot about this, and I want to leave with this. This is number two, and this is so, so important. Ed touched on it this morning in Bible class. September the 11th, next month, we're having a Back to Church Sunday. We want you, with all our hearts, start praying about it now, to invite just one person. Just one person. What we want to do is we want to pack this auditorium so that people can engage and encounter with the have an encounter with the presence of God in this place. So I want you to do that. Really consider that. Really think about that. I think in a couple of weeks, Alicia, uh, we got some handouts that we're going to put in the bulletin. You can hand that to a friend or a family member or even somebody in passing and just invite them to church. I think you'll bless them tremendously. And then lastly, point number three, I want to leave you with this text. Scripture says, we do not want you to become lazy. By a show of hands, no, I'm just joking, right? How many lazy people do we have in the house this morning? Don't raise your hand, right? You see, I can write a PhD in, in procrastination. I mean, I, I, I'm the king of procrastination. Now, I'll get the job done, right? But it will be at the last moment. But it'll get done, amen? Done. <laughs> Sometimes we fall into this place and position of laziness when it comes to our spirituality and our walk with the Lord. We become lazy just over the course of time. And how does laziness happen? Have you ever thought about that? Why do we become lazy? You know, lazy a lot of time in Scripture um, is equal to fear. Did you know that? Fear and laziness go hand in hand a lot of times if you look at Scripture. How do I know? Well, I know from Proverbs chapter 26 and verse number 13, which says, The sluggard says, There is a lion in the road, a lion in the open square. So because of that lion in the road, I can't go out and do what I need to do today because there's so many problems with that lion being right there, right? So when it comes to laziness, oftentimes we just live in a state of, of fear, not willing to take a step or to move forward. There is a lion in the road. Here's what I want you to remember this week. I want you to say this when you get in troubling and difficult times or times where you really just kind of don't want to move forward. I want you to say this to yourself. I am the lion. I want you to say that. Will you say that this week? When something comes your way and you're fearful about it or you're worried or it's difficult, just say, I am the lion. I am the lion. You know what the lion is? The king of the jungle, right? The lion is not afraid of anything, right? 
So I want you to remember that when you encounter difficulties and hardships and, and things come your way that causes procrastination. So when you have that term paper or that work project is due, you look at it and say, I'm the lion. And I can handle this. All right. And I think I think that there you go. I think I think that'll bless your life in tr- tremendous, tremendous ways. Adopt a neighbor, invite a church, uh, invite a friend to church and say that I am a lion and that'll help us stay in the position of not being lazy and continuing to move forward. Um, many of you are, are great workout folks. Some of you guys are doing CrossFit, and some of you go to the gym every single day. I know many of you have and do, and you lift weights. Oftentimes, when you go to the gym, you don't feel like it, right? And you have to tell yourself, I'm going to go anyway and make myself do it. I'm the lion, right? And I think if we live in that state, pushing away that fear and that anxiety about doing outreach and evangelism and saying, I am a lion, I can do this, God is on my side, tremendous things can happen. So this summer, which is getting ready to come to a close pretty soon, praise the Lord, hallelujah, kids are going back to school, amen. Um, but with the short amount of time, that some parents are like, amen, that's right. Um, with the short amount of time that we have, I really want us to think in terms of how can we just be a little bit more evangelistic for the Lord. And I think if we carry out these principles, we'll be well well on our way. This morning, we have a song of invitation selected. During that song of invitation, is there, if there's anyone here, anyone here that needs to respond to the message, we really, truly believe this. We, we believe there's healing in this place. We believe that God is in this place. Scripture says, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. God is here this morning. And if you have any needs or concerns or hardships or difficulties or questions, you come forward. The church will pray with you. We'll pray for you. The Lord is right here with you. He can help you through anything. So during this song of invitation, we want you to come forward. We'll have some elders on the front pew with their wives some in the back. If you don't feel comfortable coming to the front, we want you to respond to the message. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian. The question I have for you is why not? Becoming a Christian is the greatest thing you can ever do in your life. The greatest thing. And if you hadn't become a Christian yet, you need to do that today. We'll baptize you in water today. You can be added to the kingdom. You can be on your way, moving closer to God and to glory. So whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the poor.